Hi, everyone, and welcome to Las Musas podcast. My name is Marsha Geta Mickelson, and I'm the author of Where I Belong. Today, I'm joined by Juliette Menendez, Johnny Garcia, and Ana Siquiero. And the episode is a sophomore social, and we'll be talking about our sophomore year coming up. Johnny, can you start us off by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your book? Yeah, I'm Johnny Garzavia. I write young adult contemporary novels. Uh, my debut book was 1500 Miles from the Sun, which is basically Selena's dreaming of you if you made it gay. Uh, my sophomore novel is Ander and Santi Were Here, which is out April 11th, 2023, about a non-binary muralist taking a gap year from college uh, who falls for the newest waiter at their family's taqueria and a quickly budding romance made complicated whenever um, ICE comes into the Dakaria and they realize that that new waiter is undocumented. Thank you. That sounds so good. I'm really looking forward to that next book. <laughs> and Juliet, uh, tell us a little bit about your about your book. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Juliet Menendez. I'm the author and illustrator of Latinitas Celebrating 40 Big Dreamers. And it's a book all about how the first small steps we take as children set us off on our journeys for who we later become. In the book, you get a glimpse into the lives of 40 Latina women from all over Latin America and across the United States from many different professions and many different backgrounds and find out how they became the women we celebrate today. Thank you. And Anna? Okay, well, my name is Anna Siqueira. Um, the book that I published in 2021 is called Various Recipes for Success. And the one coming out in 2022 is called If a Babysitter is a Bruja or Cuando Tu Niñera es una Bruja. It is a picture book. <laughs> and it is a book a little bit about Halloween, but it's also a lot about imagination. It's the night before Halloween and the girl imagines that her babysitter is a Bruja. And <laughs> she... Um, she prejudged the bruja. She sees her sombrero, she sees her gato, and she thinks she's a, a mean bruja. So she's going to try some tricks on the bruja, but at the end, she's going to have a lot of fun, and it's a lot of imagination, and the illustrations by Irena Freitas really complements the book a lot with a lot of uh, different themes, like we have the cocodrilo scene that she's in the bathtub, but she's imagining she, she's like in a cauldron with cocodrilos, or if she's in the playground and she thinks she's in a Twisted Torre and, and a lot of different fun things. So yeah, this is this is about me and my books. Hey, everyone's book sounds so wonderful. And I love how the, each of them is so different. Like we've got a nice variety of books that we're talking about today. I'll just take a minute to introduce my book. Uh, it's Where I Belong. It came out this past September. It's about a young woman whose family came undocumented from Guatemala. She um, is the daughter of a woman who's a housekeeper for a wealthy family and the man in the family is running to be a senator and he wants to help immigrants and he kind of just throws Millie's story out there one day and she has to kind of figure out what she wants to do with that spotlight. And then my next book is The Weight of Everything. It comes out in May uh, about a young woman whose mother has passed away and she's kind of called on to help take care of her father who's not handling it well and her little brother and so um, that's my next book comes out in May. So now I just have a couple of questions about our next endeavors. And so this question is, what was your process like transitioning from working on your first book and beginning on your second? So Johnny, do you wanna go first? Yeah, um, 
my process was rough. Like, oh my God, so rough. Um, I, I drafted my first book in November, 2018, and then spent like the next 13, almost 14 months just attempting ideas and trying to figure out what was next and just like throwing these idea pasta noodles against a wall, hoping one might stick. And I, I think it was like, I was just in my head very much like, oh, I did this once already. I can do this again. And like, I had done it once. Yes, that, that was true. I had written a book, but I think what ultimately helped more than rushing into a second book, because I know I heard that a lot, like um, whenever you're querying or whenever someone's beta reading something of yours, work on the next thing. That's the most important thing you can do. Sometimes, at least in my case, what proved more beneficial than that was just letting my brain digest everything and realizing I was learning how to write and I was learning how to revise and jumping into a new project immediately didn't really serve me in a way that helped become a better writer, only a writer who was maybe pushing themselves a little bit too hard at the time. Um, and also when I finally started drafting what would become my second book, Ander and Santi were here, I went through a lot of like, this book is never gonna be as good as the first one and you're a one hit wonder if I may allow myself to call my debut a hit um, and just like pushing myself through drafts and revisions with the knowledge that it's not going to be the same what was what was really important to me and just overcoming that sort of thing and knowing that like this is not going to be the first book it shouldn't be the first book and you know um, when when I kind of embraced that fact and embraced the specificity of the story and all the good that it was and really like whenever it finally clicked whenever Anders voice finally clicked about the fifth or sixth draft was really when I was like yeah like this is going to be good like you know they can be two good stories but this one is going to be good for sure. Great thanks and Julia? Yeah, it's definitely a lot of things that Jenny just said. I love the idea of just like digesting things. I was definitely not the person who jumped straight in. Um, and also like Johnny, I was also figuring out how to write. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. So yeah, my transition was definitely bumpy. My contract though was for a two book deal. And so I was supposed to begin working right away on my first picture book when I finished Atinitas, but I just really needed a break. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, if I mentioned this before on this podcast, but I submitted and sold Latinitas while basically living at the hospital with my mother, um, who had gotten severely ill at the time and gone into a coma. Um, so my mother began to get better around the time I sold my book, and it meant so, so much to me to be able to share everything that had happened and the stories of the incredible women I had been researching with her, but she needed a lot of care. Um, so I wrote and illustrated this first book while taking care of her, and I was just completely exhausted um, when it was time to start book two. And then, of course, like the pandemic is. <laughs> so all the things really combined. And, you know, I'm usually the kind of person who just powers through. Um, but I decided to follow all those Instagram messages <laughs> that were coming out that were like, be gentle with yourself. And I was like, all right. Um, and so I ended up having a heart to heart with my lovely editor, Laura Godwin. And she was so understanding about just where my head was at and suggested that my next project be just an illustration project. Um, 
So she offered me to illustrate this adorable picture book. It's coming out, um, <laughs> should be in the fall 2023, um, called Skyscraper Babies. And it's just, you know, it's like totally a departure from all of the research and everything that went into Latinitas. It's about babies and animals and cities. So it was great. And yeah, so that was really thoughtful of her. And I appreciate that so much. It was, it was great. Even so, it took me a while to get into the second book. I'm not sure if it's just me, but I imagine that it might be true for many authors and illustrators that our first, first books are so incredibly personal and such a milestone that they become part of our identity. And so for me, it was hard to wrap my brain around this new project and essentially let myself grow as, as an artist. Um, but what really helped was making room for it. I cleaned out everything from my desk and workspace that had to do with Latinitas. I got new paint colors. Um, I gave myself permission to play um, again and kind of experiment. And I think unconsciously, I had kind of boxed myself into being specifically this Latina artist, especially with a book that's called Latinitas. And so I just really needed to let myself explore outside of that. So that, that was really what that transition looked like. That's great that you got the support that you needed for that, you know, diving into that second book. And what about you, Anne? Well, if, I don't know, a picture book is, and I don't understand just write, right? So picture books is a little bit different, I think, because you, you have to be, I don't know, I'm writing now, maybe now I have 10 picture books that I'm working on. <laughs> it's really <laughs> complicated. So it is, uh, you have to be writing one and already you finish that one and you submit to an agent while you're waiting, you are writing a different one and you keep doing that because you don't know which one's gonna sell. You know, it's not a guarantee. So you might try to sell a book and it doesn't sell, you have a, another one. Okay, you don't like that one, take this one. So, you know, you're always writing. So when I submitted um, and I got an offer for Bella's Recipe, the first book, I already had a bunch of other books I uh, was working on. And I got my agent, when I got the agent, for you to get an agent, if you write picture books, you have to have four or five picture books polished. So I sent the Bruja and she said, okay, let's submit this one. And then we, we sold this one. So it's, it's, oh yeah, it's a different process. You're always writing different stories. Your mind never goes to sleep. You're always like with so many ideas floating in your brain, but that is the process. And I don't know. Of course, you always fall in love with your first book, but I think I'm in love with Bruja too. I think. <laughs> so it's pretty special to me too. And the other ones that are coming out. That's wonderful when you can have that same kind of love for the next one too. Uh, so the process for me was a little different because the book that I decided to work on was a book that I had already written about 10 years before. And I had set aside, I had written it as a women's fiction tried to sell it and didn't go anywhere. So I just shelved it for a while. And so it's a book that had been on my mind a lot of time, a long time, because someone, um, when I was trying to sell it, had suggested that I turn it into a young adult book. And at the time I said, no, this is not a young adult book. So I kind of sat with that, with those thoughts for, you know, over 10 years. And then I decided that, yeah, I'm going to turn that old book into a young adult so I pulled out that old manuscript. It was 
um, young adult written in third person past tense. And so I decided to rewrite the whole thing. Young, so it was women's fiction. I decided to turn it into young adult, first person, present tense. So I had to rewrite everything, take out all the, <laughs> the she's and hers. And, um, and it, I mean, it was a whole different book, you know, different story arc, different storyline. There was so much that I had to take out and revise. So it wasn't really starting anything from scratch because I had kind of like the main semblance of what the book would be like. The characters were the same. The storyline and plot was similar with a few more added things that were more relevant to a teenager. And so it was more just like a revision for me. It wasn't having to start anything fresh from scratch. And that was, um, I think, kind of nice because I already had something to work with, but also, was kind of tedious all the having to backspace 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 i and me that kind of thing but i i enjoyed it because it it it, it turned out to be a much better book than it was and i'm glad that i was at the time able to just put it aside for a long time you know um until it needed to come back out so our next question is did you have to go through the submission process for your second book if so how did that feel after already being published? And was it similar or different from the first time? Johnny? I did go through the submission process for my second book. My publisher for 1500 Miles from the Sun did have like first look rights, which means that they had the opportunity to look at whatever contemporary YA novel I wrote next uh, before anyone else did. And they get the chance to offer or reject it before anyone else. Uh, they made an offer and we kind of said, cool, now we're going to go look if someone else might be interested. But I was definitely more confident about this submission process uh, this time around. And I give a lot of that credit to my agent who was super supportive of Ander and Santi were here from the get-go and like really saw what it was worth. And I knew it was just in very capable hands and that I didn't have to worry. And ultimately it did turn out to be quite different. Like we had interest from, I think, four or five different editors. We had preempt offers, which are like when an acquisitions editor pre-auction gives you what they feel is sort of that like coming in hot number, hoping they'll be like, okay, I don't need an auction anymore. I'm confident in this number. Just getting that sort of attention compared to my debut novel uh, was pretty wild. And, and a lot of them were people who had passed on my first book um so we got to kind of just like laugh at that a little bit with my agent of like if it was a yes the first time we wouldn't be in this situation but yeah it was it was really cool wow that's really neat to know that you know you had a little more confidence and had a little more a little more say in it the second time yeah. around. what about you julia yeah i didn't have to go through the submission process <laughs> like johnny um it was amazing to just have that different confidence going in and so what it was really was you know, I didn't, I didn't submit picture book ideas. It was just included in that contract. So when I got to submit my picture book ideas, it was just amazing to me. I mean, after, for your first book, it's so hard to get an agent. It's so hard to get it in front of an editor. And this whole process is just, it takes so long. And just to be able to come up with all these crazy ideas going in all these different directions and just call up my editor and be like, so I want to talk to you about this. And she's like, cool, let's talk tomorrow. <laughs> like, let's go forward. And, um, and my agent too. And um, I gave them my pitches and they were just like, yeah, so which one do you want to work on first? I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like, this is just, it was amazing. So I think 
I think that just really changed how I felt about this whole process um, and gave me a lot more confidence because I had never felt that way before, for sure. That's wonderful that you also felt that confidence. It's a great way to start a new project. Uh, what about you, Anna? Yeah, I did go to a submission for the second one. It was kind of the editor, Eliza Liu from Simon Schuster. She had already kind of requested the book. I was in a class from Children's Book Academy, and they have those uh, show, the showcase at the end of the class that you put your pitch. And I got three editors' interest. I didn't even have an offer of my first book yet when that happened. So it was almost at the same time. One came before because I think it was a smaller publisher, it was faster, but it was basically almost the same time, the second book. So as one of the, the editors, uh, my agents, my agency didn't work with that editor, with, with the publisher for some uh, reasons. And the other one left, the other one that left uh, publishing and so we submitted to Eliza and, but we kind of knew that she already liked the book. She already liked the idea. So she said, yes, so the book Then I saw the other books, but I think my confidence is, is <laughs> it's not, I'm not that confident like you guys know, because I, I sold like in 2020, I sold four books, but then in 2021, I didn't sell any. So it's such a roller coaster, you know, now I sold some books, but, you, you never know, you know, 2021 was com complicated because I had a two book deal. So I had to first finish that two book deal before um, when I had, so I couldn't submit for a, for six, seven months until we got that contract for the second book. So there were other reasons that I didn't sell, but anyway, such a roller coaster. I don't know if it's the same with MGNYA, but with picture book is, is a big roller coaster. You might sell four books in one year, zero in the next, five in the, the other one. It is, uh, it, it's tough, it's tough. I'm going through a tough phase now. I, I like, I was like, I sold some books, but I'm still not feeling confident at all, to be very honest. So, but it's normal. That happens, I think, to all the writers. We have our high moments, we feel confident, and then we have those moments that I say, oh my gosh, why can't I sell a book now, you know? I would say definitely a roller coaster of confidence. Some some highs sometimes, and then like a couple of days later, total lows. Um, so for me, I did have to submit it again, but it was a very different process because I already had an agent, and so um, I was thinking I would have to write the whole book, or in my case, you know, revise the whole book and have it ready to go. But my agent said no, just uh, send a few chapters. So I ended up sending five chapters of the newly revised. And then the synopsis, the complete synopsis of how the rest of the book was going to be revised and all the chain, you know, all the, the storyline that I planned on changing to make it young adult. So that was kind of nice that I didn't, I didn't have to write the whole book before I submitted. I just sent the five chapters and the synopsis. And it was a relatively, it wasn't, it didn't take, I mean, it didn't take as long as the first time <laughs> to hear back from the editor it was probably just, um, you know, less than a month where she came back and said that she was interested and wanted me, uh, you know, wanted the book, wanted me to finish it. You know, they made the offer and then gave me deadlines of when I was supposed to finish the rough draft and when I was to, to turn in the completed revised manuscript. 
So that was nice to have something to work with, you know, have deadlines and have someone that I knew, you know, was going to, to buy it, have that contract. And it felt so different than when you're working on the first book where you're like, I might just be wasting my time. This might be all for nothing. And so you, I mean, you want to write it because you want to write the book, but it also feels so uncertain about whether all this time and effort that you're putting into a book is even going to lead to anything, which was how it was for me for many, many years. And so that was the one nice thing to have just that reassurance of, okay, I actually already am being paid for this that I'm doing and it's not um, for nothing and it's going towards something. And I feel like it really helped me to be a little more motivated because I knew it was going to lead to something. Whereas the first time there were no certainties for that. So that was one thing that made it a little bit nicer for me. Okay, our next question is, what lessons did you learn from your first book that you were able to apply to your second book? Um, I think I came out of my first book more confident in all the things imposter syndrome tried to beat me down for with my first book. I was I spent all that time drafting and even into revisions questioning whether I was Mexican enough and queer enough to write something like 1500 miles from the sun. I questioned whether anyone was even interested in a book like this when we already have like Aristotle and Dante and Simon Verses. But with Ander and Santi were here and I think it was really at the point I realized with Ander as a main character I was just like I'm writing someone who's definitely not cisgender. They are fully non-binary. And in that realization, in that change, the, the fear and doubts really stopped talking. And what came out of that ended up being, I think, something that's just really so queer and so brown and so Mexican um, and just a lot of growth in those ways, but also in just like seeing my writing and seeing all the things that I've implemented that I've learned from beta readers and CPs who are much more intelligent than I am and just like very graciously shared their knowledge with me. Um, but yeah, and I think in just all those things that Johnny back in late 2018 would be really proud of where we've come. Um, also, I finally learned what passive voice is, um, which I definitely did not know going into writing my first book. I had like a, a an r and &R, a, a revise and resubmit, um, specifically asking me to take away the passive voice, um, which I assumed was like, oh, it's whenever they just sound really like sad and quiet and passive. And then I had someone read that to make sure I had it right. And they were like, I don't think you know what this means. Maybe let's, let's try again. So I definitely am implementing that knowledge in there too. And I think that's making it kind of better. That's good. It's so great to surround yourself with people that can help you on things like that. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I think I've heard once like to always like strive to be the dumbest person in a circle of people or a circle of friends. And like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> find, find smart people or find people who are more intelligent than you and things that like you aren't necessarily caring yourself. Yeah. Not necessarily more intelligent, Johnny. Each person <laughs> has their own strength. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like so own, you might, you might need things that yes. we're great at. Like, yes. if I'm not great at something, I have someone else yeah. who's great at. I'm a teacher, so I believe everybody has potential. So you have your <laughs> potential, they have theirs, and you guys get together, you help each other with different potentials <laughs> and different strengths, right? <laughs> what about you, Juliet? Lessons learned. I love how those two pieces of advice came together. 
Um, yeah, so for me, it was really a question of learning how to deal with time. I am definitely an optimist when it comes to time. As someone described it, I imagine like, you know, um, like the drive somewhere where you don't hit any red lights, there are no like old ladies crossing the street, like that's the way I picture it. Um, you know, when I'm in a state of flow, like listening to Bombay Studio and everything comes just flowing out and it's great. Um, that's how I picture the time I need. But in reality, you know, it's obviously very different. So I ended up causing a lot of unneeded stress with my first book, like you know, saying I could get things done at certain times and realizing that even if I was working like around the clock and going crazy, it just wasn't actually possible. So um, that really led me to kind of reassess like, you know, if I'm going to keep doing this, I really need to know how long things actually take and, you know, be able to give people a realistic idea and just, you know, take out a lot of that unneeded stress. So I decided to start tracking my time, like literally everything I do for work um, during a day. And so I keep this little notebook now with time slots. And um, I try to be like really specific, like, you know, nine to 11, I'm sketching this specific character or three to six, I'm editing in Photoshop and really trying to figure out how long does it really take me to do each little part of this process. And so now instead of to do lists, I have what I have done lists, um, which for me just makes a big difference in the way I think about it. I, um, I was always really kind of hard on myself feeling like if I didn't accomplish a certain thing at the end of the day that I hadn't done anything. So this really helped me both like to be a little more kind to myself, um, but also to be more honest and transparent with you know the publishing team about what how things would go. Um, so that really helped and it helped me to also see my work more as a process rather than a product. And that has really changed from the two books. I really love that. What I have done list. That's great. <laughs> Sense of accomplishment. What about you, Anna? Well, it's good that Julia talked about this time. For me, it was not much time like to do the project, more, more like with my first book, I'm still working on that with my second book. I'm trying to get better. I said yes to everything. <laughs> oh, let's do this. Can you do that? Can you be a mentor? Can you do that? And uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Because I was so like, I, I want to, uh, you know, be known. I want to promote my book. I want to help. I want to be in the community. I wanted to do everything. I'm still a little bit like that, but I'm trying to work and saying some no's because you get so burned out. I have a full-time job. So, you know, in the writing, and of course I don't have little kids, I have my grandkids, but um, I'm, I'm always saying yes to a lot of things. So I'm trying to learn how to say no. And another thing that I learned um, was the marketing, right? The marketing is so hard. It is so tough that we have to do all that marketing. I wish we just had to write. I love going to Twitter. It is something that I'm addicted. It's bad. It's good for me, but it's bad for me because sometimes I waste time that I could be writing or reading, uh, and I'm I'm to just scrolling Twitter and and do it. But that is something I love. But at first, I try to do blog. I'm gonna blog because that way everybody's gonna uh, subscribe and they're gonna have a newsletter and all of that. And I really discovered that's not for me. That's not for me because I 
most of the time I, I, I don't read people's blog unless I feel like, oh, this is super important. So I said, no, that's not for me. That's not something that I, I, I want to do. It takes too much of my time, too much effort. So that's what I was learning also to say no, even though they say, oh, that's the most important thing to get newsletter, to get emails. To the... But, you know, you have to figure it out what works for you, what doesn't work for you. So I decided that blog was not for me. So I quit the blog <laughs> and I'm trying to quit other stuff. But I also learned that, you know, you have, that is something like an advice for writers. Don't be marketing only for the writing community. Because that, I think, is a mistake that a lot of us do. We go to Twitter, we communicate a lot with the writing community. But really, the, the libraries and the teachers are the ones who buy your books, you know. So you have to try to also get, and I'm a teacher, but I'm a Spanish teacher. So it's different. They normally not, would not buy my books, like, for a curriculum. No, now I have my books in Spanish, too. So that's good. But, um, you know, you have to also try to connect with that community, with teachers and librarians too. And that is something that I've been learning now too, that it's important. I'm doing libraries visit virtually or in person and trying to connect more with the kids, the librarians and the teachers. So those are some of the lessons I learned. <laughs> I feel like I also learned a lot about the process and the business side of it. Um, because those are things I, when I was initially writing the first book, I was mostly focused on the writing and the querying and trying to get an agent. And then once I didn't have to worry about that, then I had to worry about the process and, you know, what comes after the book is published. So I had a lot of questions. I didn't really know what a starred review was. I knew it was good, but <laughs> did it mean five stars? I didn't know. So, you know, it's trying to get those questions answered. Um, I have a friend who's a retired librarian and I kept sending her messages like, what is Junior Library Guild? And what is, <laughs> how important is this? And it was great to have, you know, people that um, could let me know like what those things were and what it meant, you know, for your book and how it could help you. So those were things, um, you know, like certain vocabulary that I just wasn't, didn't know. I didn't know like who you wanted to review your books. I didn't know um, a lot of those things that it'll be good now to have that in mind for the next book to kind of be on the lookout for those things to you know what are the meaningful things that you want to look for and things that you want to hope for for your book. And just um, a lot of things kind of I learned along the way and Les Mooses has been wonderful to you know have people to ask about things, because um, for a long time, I felt like I was just out there alone and not really knowing exactly so many little things and jargon and things like that. So that's been really nice to kind of have a little bit more knowledge going into this next one. Okay, our next question is, have you felt inspired to keep creating or have you struggled to continue to produce work? Both, very much both. Um, and I think what it ultimately is for me is that I have to have a lot of passion in what I'm writing, like whatever topic, whatever story I'm telling, I've got to be obsessed with it. Um, for Andre and Santi were here, pettiness also helped a, a huge amount. Um, I had like taken all the ideas that I tried in 2019 and decided that this like 
Zacharia love story situation was the one that kind of had my heart and that I really wanted to try to figure out. Um, and then American Dirt got published and I was like, yeah, no, I have to write this now. Like, this, <laughs> I, I, this cannot stand. Um, and yeah, so like, I'm going to write this, it's gonna be great. And um, it did take a lot longer to draft than my debut book because my work life also changed. I was working like 60 something hours a week in the first half of 2020. We had a pandemic happen, if um, our listeners recall. Um, and so I was facing a lot of things that uh, were different th this, that time around. And were also just not really helping me be productive. And I had to learn how to adapt and prioritize and like figure out my way of drafting this novel in a whole new environment. Um, with my third book that I will hopefully be able to scream about more soon, um, I have literally never felt such struggle in my life trying to figure out the story. I, I actually drafted it in 11 days, but then spent the following year trying to answer the question, why do I hate this so much? Uh, because like it, it wasn't the topic or the story itself. Like I love that. I love the heart of it. And like if I hated it, I would have just trashed the whole thing. But I knew I really wanted to tell this story. So I had to keep going back to square one again and again and again and figuring out what I liked about it and what I what did I need to toss. Um, so I really want to say both. Like I am specifically looking at this third book because I love it so much. There's so much of my heart in it. Um, and I could not give it up, but like, oh my God, did I struggle? Wow. <laughs> um, well. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to all of that. And especially just like, it amazes me whenever I hear writers talk just how hard we all are on ourselves. Like, oh my goodness, we are. But um, yeah, and I definitely experienced a lot of that too, a lot of doubt about my next projects. Um, I mean, like all, like everyone, like there were so many things to adapt to during the pandemic and thing, the ways that we worked all changed. So I think there was a lot of that that probably went into it. But I think that my struggles really came a lot from um, a little bit what, what Johnny was just talking about that, you know, it takes so much passion to create this first book. You really have to kind of be obsessed with it because it's such a long process to even get it into anyone's hands at all. <laughs> and so I had such a clear vision of why I created this first book and, you know, why I felt it needed to be in the world. And I think when I asked myself, okay, well, what's next? I really needed to figure out what, what I had to say. And, and, and more importantly, actually, who, who I was saying it to. And I think, um, yeah, it, it really took a lot of work to get to that point. Um, but that, that part of kind of combining both of those, what I want to say and who is this for, um, ultimately is what kind of made me break loose of that kind of um, stuff point and and figure out what I wanted to do yes I think uh, all the writers have that that like sometimes we are so creative we have so many ideas and we are like oh okay we're gonna write every day and some days you, you need a break so we all need a break sometimes sometimes we are burned out because you know it's a lot because the story, even if you're not writing, you're thinking about it, right? And you, it's marinating in your head. If you have everything going on, and of course, your job, your life, everything that's... So we all have moments that we struggle. I do appreciate, like, my agent, though, because I was... Um, 
as I said, I, I cannot complain. Sometimes I, I whine too much and then I feel bad because I know that in, I sold some books. Some people don't even have agents, have been working forever. And you know, so we have to be very grateful that we passed through that, uh, that those doors that are so hard for us to get there. So I'm very grateful, but I, I was feeling a little down because I said, okay, I have like 10 stories. What's the point of keep writing, right? I'm revising the stories, but I'm not gonna write new stories because I have so many, I still have to submit all of this. So what am I gonna do? And then my agent said, well, your uh, publisher, she wants to buy a new book from you, but she she doesn't want any of those that you have. So you have to write more stories. She, she said, just go write five more stories. They said, oh, okay, so easy, let's do it. <laughs> so, but you know, that really pushed me because I said, you know, she wants a book from me, not those ones that I have, but she wants a book from me and I cannot just quit because I was like, I'm not gonna write anymore. I'm just gonna wait to see the books that I sell, then I'm gonna restart writing. But you know, it's it is a struggle. We all struggle with moments that you know. As I said, we are low, we are down, we are high. We we don't believe in ourselves. We think we are not good writers. Or then sometimes we think we are genius, and we all have that. But I think like most of the time, I'm able to create. Just when I had COVID, I had COVID twice, both times during Christmas. So it's like the first time it took me maybe six weeks for me to go back to, to do it. I was working because I work uh, uh, online. So I was working and I was teaching my classes and we'll go to sleep. So during that time, I basically didn't write anything. But most of the time I am writing and I'm kind of addicted to writing too. Because sometimes I should not write for a day or two of like my grandson's coming and I'm hoping that I will spend one week without writing. But it's really hard for me because I'm very addicted. I think we all are. So that is a problem. But I believe that most of us have that struggle and, and the creativity going on all the time together. Just write five more books. My goodness. <laughs> um, right now, I'm actually really, to be honest, worried kind of about my creativity because I feel like I have not come up with a new idea in a really long time. Like I said, that my book that's coming out in May, it was, you know, an idea from 12 years ago that I just revised. And I mean, there were new ideas brought into it, but as far as like the characters go and the, the story arc, it was something that I had previously worked on. So it didn't come up with a new idea. And then the book that I'm drafting right now, I, it's something I started in 2014. <laughs> so that was a long time ago. And so it was an old idea that I'm coming back to, you know, I'm adding to it and I'm finishing it because it was something that was, it was about 30,000 words. So now I'm finishing it. Um, but again, it wasn't a new idea. It was something that I had come up with that long ago that I'm, you know, like newly excited about, like super excited about it. And obsessed is a good word because I'm constantly thinking about it. Um, just thinking about the story all day long. And so, you know, that's a, that's a great feeling of creativity, but again, it's not a new idea. And so while I'm drafting that at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, I've got to think of a new idea for my next one, which I wish I would not do that. So I could really focus on this one, but I'm already trying to think about, can I come up with a new idea? Cause I haven't had a new idea since 2014. <laughs> So I'm a little bit worried, um, but I think once, you know, once I finish this one, then I, I can maybe free up my mind to kind of like be inspired 
to think of something new and different because I'm I'm a whole different per person than I was in 2014. So I'm sure there's something there, but I don't know. I'm just kind of worried right now that um, after this one, I don't know, there's no more, <laughs> no more ideas. So hopefully that's not true. <laughs> no, you will have some ideas. I think when you're done with this one and then you, you just sit down, try to think about, that's how I get my ideas. I try to think about my memories and things that were important to me. And my story might not be exactly about that, but that will inspire me writing something. So I'm hoping for some inspiration because um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we'll <laughs> see what happens. But for right now, I'm I'm really excited about the one I'm writing. So that's good. And I just need to not worry about what's coming after, I think would be best for me. <laughs> OK, our next question. How have you grown while creating your second book? Um, I, I feel like for myself, just all of the ways, um, but I, I think maybe like even a, a better way to put it for in my own head is like uh, my agent said this after finishing reading Under and Something We're Here for the first time. They had been sending me like a lot of texts giving me their in the moment reactions, which was so great. I love when anyone does that. Um, but their final takeaway was that reading the book, it had felt like I had arrived. And I really agree with that. And like, that's not to knock who I was two or three years ago drafting and coming into publishing, because I think there is a lot of fearlessness and deciding to write something for the very first time. And then just saying like, you know what, I'm here and I have no idea what I'm doing, but you're not gonna get rid of me. But there was a lot holding me back. And now like, I, I think I'm writing exactly what I want to write and I'm doing it unapologetically. And it's like, you know what, now y'all got me. So get ready um, is very much what it feels like now. That's so beautiful. I, <laughs> I'm really impressed with that. Um, I don't know if I can say I have arrived. Um, <laughs> that, wow. But yeah, so I think for me, it's really been about learning to trust my process. As I mentioned a little earlier, I think you know, I was putting so much pressure on myself for what I was producing each day and not just the process itself. And I think just allowing myself that time to experiment and play, like that's what I'm in it for. Like that's the part I love where I get to, you know, grow <laughs> really. And so I think that there was just, you know, turning off that voice in my head and just letting that, that happen um, was a big part of it. And like I said, just, you know, not focusing so much on what I like the, those to do lists and just giving myself the time um, to work, but not expecting a specific product. And that's really what it was that I that I think <laughs> came out of this whole process. For me, I think like, as I said, my first and second book was sold almost at the same time. So I was in the same process, I, I believe, of writing a thousand versions. <laughs> of each story so the thing that was uh, I was like a pencil I wouldn't plot and I would write a story and I was learning so I would send I had like a critique group and poor things I would say okay I had another revision another each week I would send a revision or two and they were all getting kind of some of them were 
I don't know how most of us are still together because I was really annoying. And you know, I was I I revised it like my, my third book, the one that I sold, this one I sold at auction, and um it's a book about my mom who I wrote. I rewrote a version like after my mom died, and that's when I think I really capture my emotion and what I, I want that book to to do. But I this book started like it was about a penguin, a boy who wanted a penguin, and ended up being about my mom, uh, about grieving, and a boy grieving, you know. So the process for me was really long, writing a book. It was fast because I am fast, and I'm when I'm obsessed, I will be like, you know, I can be a thousand versions in two months. But I, it was really long because I would not plot, I would not have an idea exactly where my story would go, I would just write. I think that was needed at the beginning when you have so many creative ideas flowing in your head. And then now I learned how to, I, I plot, and but I plot mostly in my head first. Most like I have an idea, I write the idea that I have, and then when I go for a walk, I take my phone, I record, oh, I have that idea. And I keep writing or recording ideas. Then when I feel like, okay, now I know what the story is about, that's when I write it. And I still have to do 30 to 40 versions, but it's better than a thousand. So I think I learned a lot with the process of um, where do I really, what, what do I really want from my stories? Where do I really wanna go? I don't start writing just for the sake of writing. And I think that's normal, if I believe. Like, I don't know with longer books, but with picture books, I think a lot of, a lot of us go through that, through the many, many versions, you know. I think uh, something that I really learned through writing my first book is just finding out a little bit more about like, who I am and where I came from. And that's kind of um, something I had never really incorporated into my writing before that book. Um, my family, well, I was born in Guatemala. My whole family came from Guatemala. And there's a lot I didn't know about my country, a lot about the history that I didn't, wasn't aware of that's so significant to, to who I am and to a lot of the reasons of why, you know, we see a lot of immigration right now from Guatemala and other um, parts of Central America. And just learning, having sitting down and having conversations with my parents, especially my mom, finding out about them and what life was like for them and what prompted them, you know, when they were young adults to move to the United States. And a lot of the things that were happening at the time and even, you know, before when they were younger in Guatemala, it just um, really shaped me as a writer because it's something that became really important to me that I want it to kind of um, continue to use those elements and that history of you know who I am, where I came from in subsequent books. So in my next book, there's a large part of this um, young woman who, you know, that I think that's how I was. I mean, I was lived my whole life here in the United States and I haven't been back to Guatemala since I was 10. So I feel like a part of me felt like that was removed from who I am and it wasn't really about me because I didn't, really know a lot about being there and I you know grew up here and more Americanized and so I feel like part of my roots really didn't apply to me that much and so uh, this character in my next book kind of is that way too like she doesn't feel like that really applies to her because she's not 
from there, even though her mom is. And just that understanding of how important it is to know like where you came from and like why that's important to who you are and how you live your life. And that's just something that I want to keep incorporating and maybe, you know, having my characters kind of learn those lessons that I learned in just talking to my parents and, and feeling that connection, even though I don't live there, but I still will always have that connection. And I feel like the first book just helped me really understand how important that is to me and how I want to incorporate that in my books to some degree. So this is our last question. What projects do you have in mind or themes you want to address in your next projects? This question makes me like go back to something Anna mentioned about like, and I think you might have even mentioned it too, about just like agents or editors being all, oh, just go write five books. Like that's fine, just go write more books. Uh, because something, I got something similar from my publisher and they were like, we want you to focus on a, like a similar brand, one that is of big feelings and lots of emotions in the heart of it. But like, we want you to do that for your first five books. And my initial reaction to that was like, what makes you think I have five book ideas? Because you would be incredibly wrong if you're assuming that. And I, I think also like in who I am as a storyteller, I also consider exactly what Juliet said earlier of like what, do I have to say and who do I have to say it to, especially as someone who does write for a very specific audience and even more so like I, I think of writing as just a way to memorialize the existence of my community in today's world and like that's why I want to do what I'm doing. Honestly, like not, I, I'm not one of those writers who has at any given moment a file on their laptop or a Google Doc with 80 different ideas. Um, I have maybe like one extra one in my brain that's just a sentence of an idea, but I think just in general, I look forward to projects that get to highlight queer Chicanas and queer BIPOC characters and just showing us exist. Um, I, I think my like ultimate goal is I just want someone to be in a bookstore and see my name on books, like just four or five different books and know that they are going to get something that is very queer and very brown just by seeing my name on those books. Um, and with, with three books down already, with the fourth one being drafted, I, I feel pretty confident in that goal. Um, but I don't think of anything like specific. Um, this past weekend at the ALAs and like specifically at the Buddha Bell Prey ceremony, um, we got to see some ballet folklorico dancers and I was immediately like, how do I write a queer folklorico <laughs> book? Like that was just my first thought um, because I think that would be pretty cute. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Well, first of all, like that's that's incredible. And I want to hear that. I definitely want that book to come to, to life. And also, by the way, like congratulations on your honor. Thank you. And, um, and your speech was also really beautiful. Thank you. Um, and Marsha too. Congrats, Marsha. Thank you. Yeah, and congratulations, Marsha. And I was gonna say to Marsha as well, like everything you said about understanding your Guatemalan identity, um, that's something we share. I'm definitely trying to figure that out too. And just the way you talked about it right now, I don't know what idea you're gonna have next. I know you're kind of like worried about that, but it sounds like all of those thoughts that are going into who you are is gonna turn into something incredible. So I'm really excited to hear that. And, and like you, um, that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out for my next projects too. Um, 
So yeah, my when growing up, my mother always called us an international family. I have a sister in Paris, and we have like, you know, family here in Guatemala where I'm living, and family in the states, and all of these different things. Um, and so what I've always been interested in is. Um, so with my family, like we were rooted not only in different cultures, but in different classes and worldviews. And there's always kind of this, I don't know, <laughs> chaos around that, I guess would probably be the best word. But I've also been always very fascinated by that intersection. And so the projects that I have coming up, um, I find myself coming back to wanting to explore these kind of multi-layered identities and these intersections. Um, and so I've always kind of identified with outsiders wanting to find where they can belong um, while being true to themselves. And so that's really kind of at the core of my next projects. And I've taken a lot of inspiration from books like Ana Martinez Mills, like Alma and how she got her name. And as I'm figuring out how to write picture books, I'm really inspired by stories like that. And I hope that I can use that to kind of bring together these pieces I'm finding out about my own family and their history. Um, so that's where I'm going with it. That's great, Julia. Um, okay, well, I have a lot of projects in mind that like besides my picture books, I'm writing a chapter book and I'm writing a graphic novel. So I'm trying, I'm trying everything. But I think all my stories are a little bit like what Juliet was talking about. I really believe like in representation and showing the, all the kids. And, you know, so I wrote one story, for example, about I have ADHD. So I wrote a story about a girl with ADHD and it's not about fixing her. It's about her being super special and, and amazing. That uh, you can have a hundred projects in your mind at the same time. And, you know, I'm trying to write books that show kids in many different situations and, and diversity and of course I'm Latina and I'm also the Latinx pitch besides Lemus Moses so I truly believe in um, representation and showing I think I have kind of a team in all my books even if it's not the theme of the book but my my motto is like that despite all our differences we are all the same so i really try to show a lot of universal emotions through my books and how we go no matter where we are we go through grieving we go through sadness we go through fears and that has been mainly the main message i think all my books i also have a lot of books with message don't prejudge people so the bruja is a little bit about prejudging the bruja and thinking that she was going to be scary and she was super nice and fun and my fourth book is called rose in mommy's corazon that has been announced and it is also about a girl uh, a mom is dating uh, dating a new guy and the girl doesn't like him she prejudges she thinks he's not fun he's not nice and she will discover he's nice so i think i have this kind of tendency of talking about these themes of don't prejudge people try to find out what's their their history what's going on and then my chapter book is about that too the girl thinks her teacher is a, a kuka i don't know you probably don't know who kuka is but kuka is a it's a brazilian alligator witch really funny with a big long wig she's really like super funny and so i think i like i'm trying to work on projects that show that that we are we are all humans we have our difference, our cultures, and we should all respect each other and, and go from there. 
That sounds great. A couple of themes that I'm hoping to incorporate in all of my books is the first one, um, well, in Where I Belong, Millie um, is kind of a quiet person. She doesn't want people to really know about her or she's not outspoken in any way, but she's kind of pushed into the spotlight and kind of called on by a lot of people to be a voice. And I can't imagine having any kind of voice um, at that age. I was super shy. I didn't want to be noticed by anyone. So, but I'm continually amazed by young people that I see standing up for others, for themselves in, in, you know, in a time when we need people to stand up. And that's something that I'm really interested in capturing on a page. And in um, my next book that comes out in May, um, it's a similar situation where she learns about some things that happened, um, you know, in Guatemala and she uses her voice to kind of like talk about them during an art project during an art show. And I really like, so using your voice as a young person to say something, to highlight some kind of injustice, that's one of my themes that I really want to continue to utilize in my books. And a second one, just um, continuing to highlight the Guatemalan culture, because I feel like, you know, like some people I've talked to, they're like, where's Guatemala? I don't even know where it is. <laughs> and I saw on this um, a couple years ago, this it was like a Fox News story and it talked about the three Mexican countries. <laughs> and Guatemala was one of the three Mexican countries they were referring to. Um, so I just kind of want, you know, people to know more about Guatemala. It's such a fascinating um, country. It's a beautiful country that everyone that I've talked to recently has says it's so beautiful and I need to go back because it's been 35 years since I've been back and I would love to go back. It has an interesting history that's that I've found out about that I really want to share with you know anyone that I can think of. The book that I'm working on right now is about a young girl whose um, mother is from Guatemala and she married a, an American man and she's now in her teens and her, her dad is basically a white supremacist and she can't understand how that could be. Like he's married to a Guatemalan, he's married to a woman who is an immigrant, how could he be that? And I think it's a, it's a concept that's kind of hard to wrap your head around, but it's not um, it's not unheard of, unrealistic. I think about um, I live in Texas, and my governor is married to the granddaughter of Mexican immigrants, and he's probably you know so hateful and denigrating towards immigrants. And at first, I just I couldn't correlate like how is that possible? But it is possible, and it happens a lot. And so that's a story that I'm working on now, how she's trying to figure out how is this possible? So I'm still in the midst of it, but that's those are two things that I really want to continue incorporating in my books. I guess that's the last of our questions. I love hearing what everyone's working on and you know projects to look forward to and love learning a little bit more about each of you. So thank you for talking together today. It was really wonderful just to find out a little bit of, you know, things that we're all kind of going through and feeling the same way in so many ways. So a wonderful conversation. So if you'd like to learn more about Las Musas or our books, please visit our website at lasmusasbooks.com or find us on social media at Las Musas Books. And be sure to check out our bookshop page where each purchase of one of our books goes towards supporting independent bookstores. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. 
You can also sign up for Las Musas newsletters to have podcast updates, as well as other Musas news, such as release dates, teasers, spotlights, and more delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening.